You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. And I want to talk to you this morning about 2022 and about going deeper. How God wants us to really go deeper as a church. I really feel like God's laid on my heart the desire for this year to go deeper, to awaken our church to action um, after a couple years of just kind of being sleepy and just getting by. I feel like now is a time in which we need to be awake and aware and doing what God wants us to do as we go into this new year. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 47. We're going to look at this together. Now, if you're not familiar with who Ezekiel is, Ezekiel is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. He's not major by virtue of him being greater than any of the other prophets, but the major prophets and the minor prophets get their designation in Scripture based on the number of uh, chapters that they wrote, how big their book was. So if you're a major prophet, it means that your book was kind of larger. And if you're a minor prophet, it means your book was kind of like a couple chapters, four chapters, two chapters, whatever, what have you. Ezekiel was a priest. Uniquely enough, he was a priest and called by God to be a prophet. And he prophesied to the uh, nation of Judah and to Jerusalem prior to the exile into Babylon. In fact, he was one of that group of people that when the fall of Jerusalem took place, when King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians came and took all the nobles and the priests and all the people that were of uh, higher end of the class of society, Ezekiel and Daniel were a couple of those people that were taken at that time. Ezekiel is believed to be 30 years old at the time that he was taken into Babylon and taken into captivity. Now, Ezekiel is unique because Ezekiel received visions from the Lord that were very vivid, that were very strange. Um, he would often, he, uh, you could categorize his prophetic ministry almost like performance art in a way, because he would often do things. He would often be instructed by the Lord to go and do something, and he would spend time either laying on his side for an entire year looking at a picture of the city of Jerusalem. Or that he spent one time where he, uh, you know, actually created a little fire with dung outside of the city of Jerusalem. There's one time where God spoke to him to just go around in his underwear for a period of time to, to, to illustrate the desolation of Jerusalem and God's people. I don't recommend Ezekiel's prophetic ministry to you, by the way. If you do that in here, I will probably have a conversation with you at some point in time. But Ezekiel had a very vivid, unique ministry. And he sees a vision in Ezekiel 47 that I want us to take a look at today. Now, there's two interpretations of this passage. The first having to do with Ezekiel's vision of the river of God. That one interpretation is that this is something that will take place when Christ returns and establishes his millennial kingdom. That this vision has to do with the future, that when God's kingdom comes to earth. That is one interpretation of this passage. The second interpretation of this passage is that this is a spiritual metaphor for the gospel being preached and the spirit of God being at work within the world today. I'll be speaking from the second interpretation on this. I do want to say it can be both, by the way. It can be representative of the gospel and the spirit of God at work, but it can also be uh, representative, too, as well, of the coming kingdom that Christ will establish. So turn with me to Ezekiel 47. And before we begin, let's pray. Shall we do that? 
So gracious God, we just thank you for another year. We're still standing. We're still on this side of the ground. We're still drawing breath. And your kingdom is still at work. You have not rescinded your spirit, nor have you forfeited your throne or your authority. So today, Lord, I pray by the Spirit of God that you would speak through me to your people to awaken in us, Lord, revival. To awaken in us, Lord God, an active kingdom mindset, Lord, for the future and for what is going to happen this year. Let's be about your work, we pray, and let it penetrate hearts and minds, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Ezekiel 47, verse 1. It says, Then he, speaking of the Lord, brought me, speaking of Ezekiel, back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east, and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. And he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate that faces east. And there was water running out the right side. And when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters. Underline that, he brought me through the waters. This is not uh, Ezekiel flying over an aerial view of what's happening. This is not Ezekiel standing on the banks of the river observing. But understand that the angel of the Lord is taking Ezekiel through the waters here. It says that he brought me through that. Verse uh, 4, again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and it came up to my knees. And again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water, and it came up to my waist. Verse 5, and again, he measured 1,000 cubits, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, waters in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. I want you to pause right there and hold your place in Ezekiel 47 as we look at this together. I believe that the Lord wants Living Hope Church in 2022 to go deeper. God does not want us to stand on the sidelines any longer. He does not want us to be on the riverbanks observing. All of 2020 and 2021, many churches, including our own, have been backing up and having to sit and to wait for things. But I believe that 2022 will be a year of not standing still or going backwards, but rather a year of moving forward. He does not want us to be observers. He doesn't want us standing around watching the move of God elsewhere, but not here. But rather, we want to see God move here as well. This chapter is all about movement, and I think there's some things that we can learn from it. Number one, first and foremost, I want you to notice from where the river flows. I want you to take a moment and look at from where the river flows and has its beginning. The where river is, the river is flowing right now is not from home. It's not from your workplace. It's not from the marketplace. It's, you know, Ezekiel didn't receive a vision in which he's in the marketplace of, uh, you know, Jerusalem and the streets of Jerusalem and uh, the waters flowing there. He's not taken to his home and seeing that there's a river flowing from home. But rather, I want you to take note of where the river is flowing from. The river is flowing from the temple of God. 
It's flowing from the altar of God. It's flowing from the threshold, the doorway of God's house. I want you to know that if there's going to be a river flowing, and if there's going to be life that's brought forth, it's brought forth first in the place and house of worship. It is brought forth first from the place where God's house is. If I were to, to narrow down the lens a little bit more, that the revival and the work of God always has and always will begin in the church. It will always be and have its origin in Genesis in the church. The church has not been done away with. The idea of the church has not been retired. It has not been put on a shelf because God's finding a different way of doing it. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. No government, no restriction, no fear, no trepidation will keep the church of God from moving forward in 2022. I want us to understand that today. Because we have to go to the place where worship happens. We have to go to the place where the word goes forth. Understand that the river of God has always represented the spirit of God at work. It has always represented the word of God that goes forth. Where did your walk with Christ begin? Where did it have its origin and its beginning? It had its origin and its beginning when you heard the word of God preached for the first time or when someone shared it with you. And when they shared it with you, they didn't say, now that you're a Christian, just go on with your merry life. They said, what did they say to you? Come with me to where? Church. Where was my, my faith exercised? Where was my faith strengthened? Church. Where was I supposed to be to worship God collectively? Church. Is this a plug for the church? You bet your life it's a plug for the church. Because we need to be about God's work and God's kingdom. The thing that I see for 2022 is that living hope will not be a grapevine that dies on the vine. It will not be a fruit that shrivels up and dies like so many other churches that I've seen in the world today. As churches, 3,200 churches closed in 2020, living hope was not one of them, nor will it be. But understand where this begins. Understand where the revival takes place. Understand where the Spirit goes forth from. It goes forth from God's house. It starts at the altar and it flows to the world that we live in. We have to understand that if we want to see God move in this year, it starts here. It starts in His church. Outreach flows and starts from God's house. Revival begins in God's house. If the world can keep you out of God's house, then he keeps you out of the work of the Lord as well. Secondly, I want you to know that God wants us all to go deeper in 2022 than we ever have before. Go deeper. It says in verses 3 through 5, the angel of the Lord brings Ezekiel outside the temple to the front door and he leads him into the river flowing from it. God's work starts in his house but continues outside of the four walls of this church. It's at church where God meets you, but it's outside the church where he wants to show you what he's doing. It's outside the church where he wants you involved in his work in the world. I want you to notice the depths here. When we say like a thousand cubits, that might mean nothing to us. 
because there's no speedometer on your vehicle that says you're going 55 cubits per hour or 75 cubits per hour. So let's kind of break this down into understanding that uh, 1,000 cubits is equal to one quarter mile. 1,750 feet, that's 1,000 cubits. So it's a unit of measurement. It says that, you know, the uh, man took Ezekiel into the waters and it took him 1,000 cubits, a quarter mile, and it was ankle deep. Half mile, and it was knee deep. Three quarters of a mile, and it's waist deep. And then once he got a mile deep into it, they were water so deep that you couldn't swim in them or even touch the bottom. Notice that the Lord wants us to observe, not just to observe the move, but be part of the move. He didn't simply say, Ezekiel, look at this river. Isn't this impressive? Look at how fast the water is flowing. Look at what I'm doing in the river here. He said, no, no, I want you to get into it so that you can experience it and you can feel it for yourself that this is where I'm doing and this is where I'm moving. If you want to see where God's going, you have to get into what he's doing. And you have to go with the flow of his spirit on that. Notice that the, the longer the river goes, the deeper it gets. The lesson is, as you go deeper, you'll experience more. But you have to be willing to follow the Lord as he leads you deeper. God's not going to lead you to shallower waters. He will always lead you to deeper. I want you to know God's not looking for shallow Christians. God's not looking for bumper sticker faith. God's not looking for post-it note faith in the world that we're living in today. In, in, in the messed up backwards world that we're living in today, that kind of faith is not going to cut it anymore. The kind of faith that we need is a faith that is deep-rooted faith. Because one thing that we saw in 2020 and 2021 is that the churches that were geared towards a me-centered kind of gospel have not survived or fared well in the middle of all that. Because people were told for the entire time, it's all about you What do you want? What does God want to do for you? And when everything fell apart in 2020, that's when we saw people losing their faith because their faith was in what God could do for them or give them instead of what did God want them to do in the middle of all that. God wants us to go deeper. He's tired of shallow Christians. What I mean by shallow Christians is you could be a mile long in your faith but only an inch deep. In other words, you could be serving God for 30 years, 40 years, 5 years, 10 years, and know God for a long time, even gone to church for a long time, but you're the depth of your understanding of God and the depth of your knowledge of Scripture and your, your willingness to go into deeper levels of maturity and your walk with Christ has stagnated and you just keep a surface level of faith. Just because you've been at it for a long time doesn't mean that you're deep. Just because you've been serving God for a long time doesn't mean that you fully understand what it means to be a Christian, to love God, to serve him, and to follow after him. If our mentality is continually, God, what have you done for me lately, and what aren't you doing, and why aren't you doing your job, then we're shallow. We're not deep at all. But if we're saying, God, I'm scared of what I see around me. What I see around me worries me and troubles me deeply. But I also know that you want me to be obedient and you want me to do something with my life and that every aspect of who I am should reflect your goodness and your glory. Then God, what do you want me to do? And I'll do that. That's maturity. 
An immature child says, well, what's in it for me? But a child that loves their father, a child that loves their heavenly father will say, what do you want me to do? I want to honor you. I want to please you. I want to represent your name well, and I will do those things. God's never going to lead you to shallower waters. He will always lead you deeper. What do these depths represent? Well, let's take a look at ankle deep. Now, go back to my little analogy from growing up, right? If you've been on the beach, been to the pool, a person who has got their ankles wet is probably not going in, am I right? They're just there. They're probably not even dressed for the occasion. If you are, I remember being on the Cape, I spent four and a half years of ministry on the Cape, and being a boy that grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts, an old factory town, where you didn't have water anywhere near you, except a public pool, and that was tenuous at best. To go and live like near water during the summertime was just an awesome thing. And to be able to drive home from work on your way home from work, and to be able to stop by the beach, Craigville Beach, or Old Silver Beach, and you know, take your shoes and socks off and roll your, your uh, pants up to about your ankles and just walk in the water. That was just awesome. I just loved that. That was just such a surreal experience for someone who grew up in a dirty old factory town, you know. And so to have that was really awesome. But like at no point in time where I was I thinking, I'm going to dive in with what I'm wearing from work into the water. I'm just there to enjoy it. I can just walk along the edge Enjoy the sounds and the sights. You hear those seagulls. You hear the, the calm moving of the waves. And, and, you know, I get a little bit wet and I cool myself off, but I'm not going in. That's not my intention. I'm just here to enjoy the sights. So it is with a person that is just ankle deep in their faith. I'm here on Sundays. I'm here watching online. I'm here uh, when we're talking about good things, but when we're talking about challenging things, I don't want to be here. If you're going to talk about giving, Pastor, I don't want to be here. Oh, we got to pray tonight? I don't want to be here. I like just being on the edge of things because when I'm on the edge of things, I can just as easily step out. But when God calls us deeper, He's calling us to deeper waters. He's calling us to go a little further. If you go to your knee level, you're like, okay, I just want to see. And sometimes there might be like out in the distance, you see like a boat or a windsurfer or a buoy, and you can't quite get in your eyes, and your vision, what that is. So you step out a little further, and you step out to your knees just to try and get a, at a better view. And sometimes if you walked along uh, the beach and you're going into the waters, you notice that there's warm spots and cold spots. There's parts where, like, you're on a shelf and then it drops. So you, like, walk to a certain level and you, like, get to that edge where it's a little deeper, whether it's the pool or whether it's, you know, the beach. And you're like, okay, that's too far. If I go any further, I'm going to end up in my you know, up to my waist. Now you have the person that's up to their waist. Ezekiel's up to his waist. What does that represent? It's a person that's half in, half out. And unfortunately, in the world that we live in today, there's a lot of people that are half in, half out. Half in the church, half in the world. Half in the things of God, but half in, in their own life and the way that they live. They live like Christians on Sunday. They say the right things when they need to, but when you get them the rest of the week, they kind of live however they want. They have a set of standards and morals that have, they're pretty much no different than the rest of the world. You know, so they're half in, in the water, half out of the water. And God doesn't want you half and half. He doesn't want to let you like coffee with cream that's half and half. 
He doesn't want you like half decaf or anything like that. Like you're a half caffeinated Christian and that you're not fully into this at all. That's not the kind of walk that Christ wants from us. In fact, Revelation talks about that if you're not hot or cold, but you're in the middle, you know, you're tepid and lukewarm. He says, I don't even want to drink that. He's like, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because I don't, I don't want that. I said, I would rather you either not know me or be fully knowing me and fully, you know, passionate for what I do, what we're doing in the Lord, than to, to you know, be in the middle somewhere. We can't be half and half. Listen, as, as you go into your workplaces, as you go off to college, as you go into your, your schools, your high school, your elementary schools, there's no room for half and half. We're in the world, but not, we're not of the world. In other words, you live to please God with your actions, with your demeanor, with your speech. You choose to be different than the rest of the world. And yes, that will get you some funny looks at times. Yes, there are times where people will look at you and kind of say, well, you're a little odd. We are a peculiar people, let me remind you. Some of you are more peculiar than others. But we are a peculiar people. And there's going to be times where we're going to be looked at as strange because we are running counter to the culture that we live in today. So just know that and remember that. But the Lord doesn't want us half in and half out. We must make a choice. Either live for God fully or don't at all. And we have a choice to make. Then there is the waters that are too deep to swim in. You know, someone who dives in to what God has for them. A person who wants to touch the bottom and see how deep things go. A person who is all in for God gives them fully to the work of God and being someone that is used by God for his glory. When you are fully dived in, when you're fully in to what God is doing in your life and what God is doing in the world, you want to see how deep it goes. And when you realize that, like, when you're trying to probe the depths of God's love for you, you recognize that there is no bottom. God's love for you doesn't have a bottom. It is boundless. It is limitless. It is all-encompassing His love for us. But you'll only know the depths of God's love for you as you probe and go deeper into it. So many people walk through this life as though God only loves me when I'm at my best. God only loves me when I haven't messed up at all. But God loves you. His love is an unchanging love. And so there are times where we're kind of like, well, God's love is conditional. God's love is not conditional towards us. So we must remember his love and go deeper in his love. That he loves you in grief, in your hardship and sadness. He loves you when you're struggling. He loves you in that, even that, in that moment. He is there for you and with you. Thinking about the depths of God's spirit. Wanting to be used by God for his glory. God, I want you to use me to reach out to people. And if we kind of just go to the edge and then we come back when we have those moments when we're kind of second-guessing God and second-guessing ourselves, we'll only go so far and then we'll pull back. But if we just kept going, we would realize that there's no bottom, there's no limit, there's no end to what he wants to do in and through us. And you'll be amazed at the way that God uses you. When we're looking to be used by God, you can't see where the river goes unless you jump in and follow the current. 
If you want to find out where a river goes, you either need to throw like a, a boat in there or throw like a little sailboat in there, kind of watch where it goes, or you need to just dive in yourself and let the currents take you to where it's, he's taking you and where he's leading you. I can tell you honestly that as you follow the Lord and you follow the leading of the Spirit, he'll take you places that you never thought that you'd end up. To, play, to meet with people that you never thought that you'd meet, to heights that you never thought that you'd go to, to situations that you never thought you would be in, because you're being obedient to the leading of God's Spirit. When you choose to do that, he'll take you places that you never thought you would go before and use you in ways that you never thought you'd be used before. But you have to be willing to stop just like a person that's waist deep, they like touching bottom, right? I'm here because I can touch the bottom and the bottom's safe. And if you're not a great swimmer, you're like, I can touch bottom, I'm good. I have a dog, it's a Brittany Spaniel. My dog should be able to swim. But when he was younger, he got scared of water for some reason. So when we bring him to like Salmon Brook Park, when he goes in the water, he goes only as far as he can actually touch. If he starts to feel like he can't touch anymore, he immediately kind of just makes his way back towards the shore. And there's people like that too. Like if you've ever been swimming and you're not a great swimmer and you realize there's no bottom anymore, where do you do? You go back. I'm going back to wherever I can touch ground again. But when you're following after God and following his direction and being led by the current of his spirit, there's going to be times where you're like, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what he's planning to do right here. But the exciting thing about that is that because you don't know how it's going to turn out, it means you're completely dependent on God's spirit for the outcome. So God, I don't know what you're going to do with this. I'm scared and excited at the same time, but I'm completely dependent upon you for what's next. Let's take a look at verses 7 through 10 of Ezekiel 47. You still with me? Yes. I'm knowing yelling a lot, but I just want you to know that it's time to wake up in 2022. It's time to awaken us to, to activity. You know, uh, Being sick in week one made me mad. I was mad and I was tired of that. Because we need to be about God's work. And I hate losing ground in prayer. I hate losing time and effectiveness to stupid stuff like this. Because we've got things to do for God. And God wants us to be about his business this year. And there should be nothing that uh, derails that. So let's look at verses 7 through 10. It says, When I returned along the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side and the other. And then he said to me, this water flows to the eastern region and goes down to the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. And there'll be a very great multitude of fish because of the waters there, for they will be healed. And everything will live where the river goes. And it shall be that there are fishermen that will stand from the Engedi and Engleam. And they will be places for spreading their nets. And their fish will be the same kind as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. Now, I want you to take a look at this, and I want you to know that thirdly, wherever the river flows, it brings life. Wherever this river that flows, it brings life. Remember, it flows from the temple of God. Remember, it gets progressively deeper as it goes. And remember that it brings life to wherever it goes. It starts out at the temple, goes east, and then it turns and goes south, down the valley where the River Jordan flows. Now, if you were to look at a map 
of Israel. And if you were to, to observe where it goes, that the Jordan River starts at a certain point and it goes all the way down south. But I want you to take note of where it ends. And if you had a, a biblical map in your Bible, you could flip there and take a look. I want you to notice where the river of Jordan ends. The river of Jordan ends at the Dead Sea. It ends at the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest place in the entire world. It is 1,400 feet below sea level. It's like a mountain in reverse. That's how far down it is. It's so far down that sulfur and salt fill the sea to the point that nothing can live there. Any fish that swim into the Dead Sea instantly die because they cannot process the water and gain oxygen from it. If you were to go to the Dead Sea, you could go into the Dead Sea and it's so, the, uh, the salt is so much that you are so buoyant that you float to the top. Now, if you come out of it, you're going to be like gross and salty and disgusting when you're in there. It's not a place you want to take a drink. It's not a place that you want to take a bath in. It is a, a, a body of water that has no redeemable qualities to it except maybe the mud and salt for your skin. So what's the picture here? The picture is the Dead Sea is the lowest place in the entire world. It is the most irredeemed place in the entire world. It is the saltiest place. It, there's no life there. There's only death there in the Dead Sea. And what is it saying? It says that when this river from the temple of God hits it, it immediately makes the salt water fresh. Not only makes the salt water fresh, but then fish start to live and dwell in that space. With that which was once death has now found life brought into it. Now, I don't know about you, you can try this little experiment at home, but if you had two glasses of water, and you had a bigger glass of water and a smaller glass of water, and you had a glass of salty water, and you put the glass of salty water in the glass of fresh water, I got news for you, the fresh water does not make the salty water fresh. It's the opposite. The salty water makes the, the fresh water salty. So this goes against nature. This goes against how things normally go. So what are we seeing here? We are seeing a miracle take place in which this fresh water, this life-giving stream that comes from the temple of God flows into this dead area and brings life. I want you to understand today that when we're speaking about the river of God, we're speaking about the word of God that goes forth from his house. And it brings life to dead things. That when the gospel is preached, those who are dead in sin and dead in iniquity, when they hear the words of life, they are cleansed from their sins, their old life is gone, and their new life has begun. So a new life begins there. The Spirit of God brings life wherever it goes. When we see God's Spirit moving and taking place in people's hearts and lives, what we see is with transformation. They were dead inside once. They were dead in their sins. Maybe they were addicted. Maybe they were bound up. Maybe they were uh, in different situations where they needed God to deliver them. And when the Spirit of God hits, it breaks things off. It brings healing. It transforms and brings about life. This is the water that is going forth. Jesus said to us, to his disciples, he said, out of your innermost being will flow what? Rivers of living water. In other words, the Spirit of God that's been deposited in you upon salvation is God's Spirit actively dwelling within you. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when God touches you and you speak in other languages, when that Spirit 
that, that well is uh, unstopped, you begin to see life come forth from your words, from your actions, your deeds. Your motivation becomes completely different after you're baptized in the Spirit. So this idea of life-giving water is an idea that's throughout Scripture. And it's meant to bring life to dead places. It comes from God's house. It feeds into the Jordan. It goes into the Dead Sea. I want you to know about, think about the world that we live in. The world that we live in is spiritually dead. There are places in this world that are in the lowest place of the entire world. There are people in, in rough spots. People who are in need of salvation. And I want you to know that the Spirit of God, the river of God that dwells within you, is able to bring life-giving hope to someone. You are able to bring life to dead places through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the message of the cross. It transforms and brings that which was dead to life. God's Spirit is at work within you. I want you to notice what it says here too. It says, along the banks there will be people there fishing and that they will bring in all kinds of fish. And understand that there was only a, a few different kinds of fish. You know, if you fished in the, the Jordan River, there was only certain kinds there. But he's saying that this river will yield the same kind of fish that are found in the Mediterranean. Now, if you don't know what the Mediterranean Sea is, if you were a little geography lesson, it is the sea that connects the entire then known world. It connected every part of the Roman Empire at that time. And that every kind of fish that was found were, you know, fishes that were found from different parts of the world. I want you to understand the metaphor that Jesus said to his disciples that I will make you fishers of men. That when the river flows, it's going to bring people in that weren't part of the kingdom before. And when the river flows, it's going to awaken in us an evangelistic mindset. Instead of a self-preservationist mindset, it's going to bring forth an evangelistic mindset that we would say, you know what? I'm going to be a fisher of men. I'm going to be a person that looks for opportunities to share the gospel and to share it with other people. I want to be a person that knows God and makes God known to other people. That's what we're talking about here this morning. Amen. You have to understand that as a fisherman, when the disciples were fishing, they understood that when they cast their net, they wouldn't always catch everything. Unless Jesus was guiding it, of course. But they knew that each time they let down the net, sometimes they'd catch fish and sometimes they wouldn't. When it comes to evangelism, when you cast the net of the gospel, we must remember that we won't always get a bite on those things. We won't always catch what we want to catch or what we're supposed to. But the idea is that the fishermen understood that their life, their livelihood came from casting the net. The farmer understood that his life and his livelihood came from casting seed. And not just a little bit of seed here and there, but seed everywhere. The more they cast, the more the opportunity was to bring in. And so when it comes to us is that we have to be a church that is evangelistically minded, that doesn't just cast out the net, but throw out seed once in a while, but does it regularly. There's one more characteristic of this river, verses 11 and 12. Let's take a look at it together. If you're still with me, say amen. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Verses 11 and 12. The river is flowing. It says, But its swamps and marshes will not be healed, and it will be given over to salt. Along the banks of the river and on 
this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. And their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. And they will bear fruit every month because the water that flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. The fourth and final thought on this is that those who stay connected to the river will produce fruit and bring healing to others. Those who stay connected to the river will produce fruit and bring healing to others. Understand that, you know, we have to look at, and there's two examples here. There's the the flow of the river that brings life, and then there's stagnant places. It says where the swamps are, there'll be nothing but salt. The difference between a river and a swamp is the flow of water. A swamp has no flow of water. There's no water movement in it. And because of it, you see algae and bacteria and stagnation takes place and things grow in there. We have a pond in town here that has to be treated annually. Otherwise, there'll be algae blooms throughout. Why? There's no naturally moving water that's taking place in that body of water. Bodies of water that need, that uh, are continually clean and clear are bodies of water that have an intake and an outtake, an inlet and an outlet. In other words, they're receiving and it's flowing out. They're receiving and it's flowing out. Are you getting the picture here today? That in order for us to be able to keep our hearts pure, in order for us to be life-giving, we have to be not only receiving, but also giving out as well. When we become stagnant, when we stay in one place, when we refuse to be fed or refuse to uh, reach out to other people, we become stagnant. Our walk with Christ becomes stale. Our life becomes dry. Our, 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 and what happens there is when that body of water stands still, when your, your walk with Christ stands still, what ends up happening and what we see happening is that morality becomes lax. Our standards become wishy-washy. And we start taking on things that we shouldn't take on. Our, our Bible reading goes by the wayside. Our prayer is non-existent. Our walk with Christ has no uh, visible signs of life whatsoever in it. And as long as we're doing that, then we're going to find ourselves eventually becoming corrupted. But if we find an inlet and an outlet, then we'll see growth. Notice what it says here too. It says that there's trees on the sides of the banks of this river And what are they doing? They're drawing life and they're drawing strength from this river. This flow of God's spirit, this flow of God's word that comes from the temple, it strengthens and it bears fruit. And it says that they don't just bear fruit once in a while. They bear fruit every month according to the season. I want you to know today that God wants you to bear fruit in every season. There is no winter in your walk with Christ that you should be bearing some kind of fruit every season or at least bearing some kind of seed for the next season in your life. What's the kind of fruit that God wants to produce in us? The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talks about this, that God wants to produce in us the fruits of godly character, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. When Jesus was leaving his disciples in a... John chapter 15, verse 16, when he was talking about leaving them, he said that I am the vine and that you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But my desire is that you would bear fruit and that you would bear much fruit, fruit that will last. What's the fruit that will last? That you were a nice person? What's the fruit that will last? That you were kind and you did things for your neighbor? 
The fruit that will last is the fruits of eternity. The fruits that are done for God's kingdom. As you work for God's kingdom, as you produce good things for the kingdom, as you are in tune with God's spirit, you will yield forth eternal fruit that will never wither, fade, or pass away. The fruits of our labor are the harvest and bringing in the lost. But we have to stay connected. If we separate ourselves from the source, then we don't see life take place in our life. We don't see fruit take place in our life. Notice that the leaves are used for healing too as well. There's a healing element here that takes place. That your life as a tree that bears much fruit, not only just has, not only is the fruit productive, but even the leaves bring healing. Everything that you've been through in your life, good and bad, can be redeemed for the purpose of God to bring healing to someone's life. That by His Spirit, He can lead you to people that are walking through what you have already walked through. And that you can be the one that brings emotional healing, spiritual healing, and that, yes, that even when you pray for people, bring about a physical healing as well. God is able to do that through you. But you have to stay connected to the source. Back in 2020, everybody tried their hand at gardening. Do you remember that? Maybe you tried it too. Maybe you didn't normally do that. And you tried your hand at gardening, and we did it too as well. And some were successful in it, but others were not. Some you had flowers but no fruit. Flowers, but no vegetables. Or if you were like us, you grew vegetables that looked very strange. You know, things that looked, that was a cucumber, but it's not a cucumber. It looks like, <laughs> looks like a balloon that someone grabbed in the middle and it stayed like that. So like, there are things that are like, so like everyone was gardening, everyone was planting seed, everyone was trying to cultivate and grow things in 2020. And then in 2021, as it got back to life and busyness, most of us left that behind and left it to the people that do that as their thing instead of doing that ourselves. And there's a metaphor here that I want us to get a hold of too that for us, we should never stop growing, producing fruit, and producing life in our lives. If you can reflect upon the last two years, have you grown at all in your faith? Have you grown at all in your understanding of Scripture? Have you grown at all in producing disciples or bringing about good things through the works that you do. And if not, then you've taken a step backwards and not a step forward. We should never stop producing fruit. God wants us to be active for his kingdom. Your life was meant to bring about good things. Your life was meant to create good things. And yes, it is possible to have a life where you worship God and serve God outside of here. But that's not what Jesus designed for the church to do. That's not his ultimate plan if you look at Scripture. Acts always talks about the church, the church, the church. Book of Revelation, first three chapters are devoted to the church, the church, the church. In other words, there's a part to be played in this for you. There's something that we need to be involved in and be part of. Not just Sunday, but to go deeper. That we would go deeper with God in 2022. How are we going to go deeper in 2022? By going deeper 
in our personal growth in Christ by going deeper in our study and discipleship, by going deeper in community, checking on one another, praying for each other, and encouraging each other. Even if you're afraid of going out of your house and coming to church, you can still check on each other, pray for each other, and encourage each other. That's something you can do by your phone. That's something you can do on FaceTime, uh, Google Duo, whatever the case may be. You can do that. You can even do it through a text message. There's no excuse for a lack of community in 2022. We need to go deeper in devotion and serving in the church and serving the community. In 2022, I want you to make a decision and a resolution with me. Decide today to go deeper. Decide in your heart by what you say and what you do that you will go deeper with God. That you won't just stand on the river banks and enjoy the view. That you won't just go where it's safe, but that you'll say, you know, I want to go deeper this year. Pastor, help me go deeper. Deacons, help me go deeper. I want to go deeper with God than I had the year before. That's an intentional decision on our part to do so. As the worship team comes back up to the platform, I want you to say yes this year. I want you to say yes, I will go to church and worship where God's spirit is. As long as I'm able to get here, I'm going to come and worship because the river of God flows from where God's house is. I want you to say yes, that I won't stand on the banks and play it safe, but I'll go deeper with my walk with the Lord. I want you to say yes, I will not be half-hearted in my devotion to the Lord, being half in and half out, being part of the world and being part of the church. But you say, I want to be fully devoted to the Lord. I want you to say, yes, I will be led by the Spirit of God. Wherever you're current, wherever you take me to, that's where I'll go. I want you to say, yes, I will be a fisher of men. I will actively share my faith with all who will listen. I want you to say, yes, I will grow. I will be intentional about going to Bible study and spending time in God's word so that my life will show the fruit of the Spirit. Can you do that with me? Can you say, yes, that's me this morning. Yes, I'm going to do that today. Great, two, excellent. There's two of you that will do it. Who will say that in their hearts with me this morning? That yes, in 2022, I'm going to serve the Lord. Will you stand with me as we pray and ask God to help us with this? Thank you, Lord. God, help us this morning, we pray. Lord, will you be with us this morning, God? Will you awaken us to life? Will you help us to, Lord, not be content? But, Lord, I pray that we would go deeper. Lord, this walk of faith is not a one-time thing. But that, Lord, it's a lifetime decision choose and follow you. Spirit of God, awaken us to the reality of 
time being short and the need for us to be about your work. Awaken us from complacency and comfort. And Lord, I pray they wouldn't just be words and promises made, but Lord God, that we will commit ourselves to doing it. Help us to be about your kingdom in 2022, Lord God. Help us to love you and serve you with all that we are. We ask for your help in this, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.